Well, welcome to our first week's detailed look into those well-known verses from Micah 6. I'll just read them again to you now. He has shown you, that's God, God has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So the part we're looking at today is the first part, that's to act justly. Two words, a nice short preach from me this morning then, well, that's what I thought initially, until I received an email from Tear Fund inviting me to join the International Justice Conference, and it seemed too good an opportunity to pass up, so I subscribed to it, hoping for material to bring to you this morning. Now, I've never signed up to anything like this before. The event was hosted by churches from all over the world, and because of the time differences, it spread over 24 hours with headlining speakers at the main events, and then afterwards they divided up into breakout rooms where three or four invited guests discussed the topics. Well, you won't be surprised to learn that I haven't listened to all 24 hours of it, but I will be sharing some of the wisdom and viewpoints from the speakers that I have listened to, and I hope that you'll, they'll give you as much encouragement and inspiration as they've given me. Um, earlier in the service, you will have seen the video. Um, I showed that because today has been designated Tax Justice Sunday and also Environment Sunday. We'll be touching on caring for the environment, but I shan't be attempting to go into tax justice this morning. But be assured, the group featured in our video, Church Action for Tax Justice, is already on the case. There are plenty of groups out there campaigning for justice in the tax system. Just entering tax justice into Mr Google will bring up loads of organisations, some secular and some Christian. I think that's the beauty of our faith at the moment. David mentioned last week that churches and Christian organisations worldwide are taking up the cause for justice. God's doing something today. Some of you may, may belong to a group campaigning for a justice issue that you're passionate about. And others of you may be inwardly groaning at this whole topic because it's all far too big to handle. What can I do? What difference can I make? I've had enough to deal with coming out of the pandemic. And I confess, I was inclined to think that way as I, I went into the conference but I've come out of listening to that changed and inspired. And my prayer this morning is that God will speak to us individually in the way only he can as we look at the ideas of justice and acting justly in our world. So what does it mean to act justly? I've chosen our Old Testament reading from the prophet Amos. Like Micah, he lived in the southern kingdom of Judah just before the time of Micah. But God called him to go north and prophesy to the northern kingdom of Israel. And this was some 20 or 30 years before they were carried off into captivity in Babylon. The economic times were prosperous and the country was at peace with its neighbours. But God showed Amos that the wealthy were taking advantage of the poor. 
He says of them, They sell into slavery honest people who cannot pay their debts, the poor who cannot repay even the price of a pair of sandals. They trample down the weak and helpless and push the poor out of the way. Later on, he goes on, You people hate anyone who challenges injustice and speaks the whole truth in court. You have oppressed the poor and robbed them of their grain. In those days, religious services had become meaningless and the people were just doing it for show, even bragging about how much grain they would bring into the sacrifice. God, in the book of Amos, calls for justice to roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. God's message to the two kingdoms through Amos and Micah was the same. He hates injustice. Scripture is stamped through and through with God's desire for justice. In Psalms we read, The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. And from Jeremiah we read, I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. Justice is one of the ways in which we can know God. Justice and injustice are themes that underpin many of our Bible stories in both Old and New Testaments. The founder of the Justice Conference, the American Ken Wistmer, says... When we look at God, we learn something about justice. And when we look at justice, we learn something about God. One example Ken gave was the part of King Solomon's story that we can find in 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, I don't know about you, but I, when I think of Solomon, I always think of wisdom. And in my Bible... The inserted paragraph heading for 1 Kings 3 says, Solomon asks for wisdom. Now, I think that's misleading because in the story, the gift Solomon asks for from God and the gift that God gives him is more than that. We read that at the start of King Solomon's reign, God appears to him in a dream and tells Solomon to ask for whatever he wants. Solomon's request was, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. God's response was, Since you have asked for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. And a little further down in the chapter we read, All Israel held the king in awe because they saw he had wisdom from God to administer justice. And moving on in time to Solomon's descendant, we see over and over again in the life and ministry of Jesus his hatred of injustice, especially when he sees the poor and marginalised suffering because of it. So what is justice? If justice is what God requires from us and longs to see, where do we start? Biblical justice starts in the heart. It's inseparable from love and humility. 
in our readings from Amos, Micah and the words of Jesus, we can see that injustice happened because their hearts weren't right. Their mindset was wrong. The nation of Israel had to learn a very hard lesson that religious observance, no matter how strict, never compensates for a lack of love. They needed a change of heart. External compliance to rules is not as valuable in God's eyes as a humble heart that simply does what is right, that seeks justice for all. In our New Testament reading, Jesus sees the injustice of some of the Pharisees. He says to them, you give God a tenth of your mint, rue and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You see, they cared more about proper tithing and being seen to obey the rules than they did for justice in their community. And they needed to realign their hearts, realign their thinking to match God's. Last week, a friend was telling me about the problems she was having with her neighbour. Not surprisingly, it was over trees and fences in the back garden. It's not an uncommon problem. And from my friend's account and description of this neighbour's behaviour, it certainly seems as if the neighbour was being unreasonable, uncooperative, unkind and just plain unjust. All about trees and fences. But the sting in the tail was when my friend said, the worst of it is this neighbour goes to church every week. She's a Christian. And that's what really stung me. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis wrote, of all bad men, religious bad men are the worst. True justice starts in our own hearts. Justice is also defined as the quality of being impartial or fair. In Psalm 9 we read, God rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. God's sense of equity extends to all. In Matthew 5, in a much misquoted verse, what Jesus actually says is, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And he wants us to show the same kind of impartiality. In an unfair world, we should be a stabilising force helping to make the world a more equitable place to live. To act justly is not merely to do what's right. It's also to restore what's lacking, to fix what's broken. True justice seeks to correct the systems that we operate within that perpetuate injustice And that's something which Tierfund's International Justice Conference highlighted. And from that conference, I just wanted to share with you three areas I've listened to so far. The environment, modern slavery and racial justice. As it's also Environment Sunday, let's start with the environment. The talk came from Tim Tim Healy, who's pastor of the Pentecostal Church in Perth, Australia. And he started his talk with four reasons that Christians may give for not 
being involved in this campaign for justice in environmental issues. Now, I reckon this guy's probably got a Baptist background because the four points all begin with the same letter, the letter D. He said, the arguments given are, it's depressing, the scale of the challenges are overwhelming. It's demeaning to humanity to give money to save a rainforest when it could be going to starving children. It's dangerous. We could be opening ourselves up to extreme radicalism and paganism if we're mixing with activists. And it's distracting. We're here to preach the gospel and to save as many souls as we can for eternity. His argument against all of these objections is that they show a very narrow definition of the gospel. God has love and compassion for all he has made. Caring for creation means love for God and love for people. My neighbour is global. Caring for the planet is a sign of love. Another speaker in this session was climate scientist Professor Catherine Hayhoe. She talked about what it means to love our global neighbour. Who is most at risk from climate change? The poorest and the most marginalised. The ones who've contributed least to the problem are bearing the brunt of the impact. That's not fair. That's unjust. She suggests we're in danger of entering a new era of climate apartheid, where the rich nations buy their way out of rising heat and hunger. As Christians, she says, we should care. We are new creations in Jesus and are called to bring our attitudes and actions into line with God's. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We are called to act out of abundant love and compassion. And failure to act is a failure to love. We don't have to set up a new church organisation. She encourages us to partner with local organisations to work on environmental issues in our local community. It builds bridges with non-Christian community and inspires conversations about faith. So we move on in the conference to Norway to Petra Kellenbrook. She's the anti-trafficking coordinator for the Salvation Army in Norway. And in her talk, she admits that being a Salvationist means that she's, she's used to talking about fighting. She says, in perfect English, the fight against human trafficking and modern slavery is a physical and spiritual fight. Millions of God's children are victims, unable to give to live the life that God wants for them. God wants to restore the lives of these people and give them freedom to be who he created them to be. They are our brothers and sisters. That is what connects us to them, whether they live on the far side of the world or they're hidden away in our own neighbourhoods. And during this session from Norway... um, they showed a video of a powerful drama that they acted out to show the extent of the problem. A young woman was in a big empty room, standing at a lectern. 
and she was asked to take a test. So on an iPad, she filled in a questionnaire about what she had in her bathroom, the number of accessories she had in her wardrobe, the clothes that she had, etc., etc. And when she pressed enter on the, the iPad, when she'd finished, she heard the noise of footsteps behind her. And she turned round to see people coming into the room. There were people there of all ages. And when she counted, there were 56 of them. And they represented the 56 people who could be caught up in slavery slavery to support her lifestyle, to produce the goods she had in her home. The 56 men, women and children who were not paid their wages, who worked and lived under horrible conditions to produce the goods that she had in her home. In Norway, the churches have come together to create awareness of the problem and to promote solutions to help abolish modern slavery. They recognise they are part of the problem, but also that they can be part of the solution. And my final issue from the conference was a discussion over racial justice. Pastor Rashad Shabazz, Shobaraka and Ekameni Uwan. The question was put to them about some of the violent actions of those protesters in the Black Lives Matter campaign and should Christians be associating with it. Sho said he doesn't always agree with all of their actions, but he aligns himself with the basic principles of the message they're bringing. Ekamini explained that the doctrine of common grace holds that regardless of ethnicity, race, gender, sexuality, age, abilities or disabilities, we are all created in God's image, even non-Christians, and are all capable of loving and doing good works. Christians don't have the monopoly on doing good works. She says we shouldn't be afraid of associating with other groups who don't share our faith. Jesus walked with everyone and let his influence affect them, not the other way around. She said if he was worried about associating with the wrong people, then we wouldn't be saved. She encouraged us to partner with people doing the good work out there. And Pastor Rashad reminded us that justice is not just a good idea, not just an option. God demands it of us. We're supposed to represent Jesus Christ. If we treat someone based upon our viewpoint, our prejudice, it means we're not aligned with God. In 1 John 4 we read, For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. If I don't treat you the way I should, I'm missing the mark. I'm sinning. I shouldn't treat the person who is other the way I think they deserve, but how I would want to be treated myself. So that was just some of the wisdom that I'd gleaned from the conference, and I hope it hasn't left you with a, a sense of overload. I'd like to finish by summing up what we can take as, as individuals and as hopefully as a church from these two words, act justly.
Firstly, acting justly is not an option for us. It's a requirement. God expects justice from his people, whether whether anyone's looking or not. Secondly, we are asked to act. In the New Testament, the book of James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Thirdly, being a Christian who acts justly involves protesting against injustice in every situation, whether in person or in prayer. Praying against injustice brings change, whether that's change in the situation or change in us, as we express our longings to God to set things right. Justice must be in our hearts, in our own everyday lives, the way we live. Consumerism so easily traps us. We need to pray for the release from the fear of not having enough and from greed for more and to be captivated instead by gratitude and contentment. And lastly, justice must be in our dealings with our friends, our family and our neighbours. If we think again of my friend and her dispute with her neighbour, how much more of a witness to Jesus would that neighbour have been if she was kind, compassionate and helpful in her dealings with my friend, even if they didn't agree on the um, principles of the boundary line? I don't want you to walk away this morning discouraged by the size of the global problem, but I want you to be encouraged that as individuals, we can all play our part. We can't fix the world, but we can change it bit by bit. Just little things, uh, listening to Gardener's World, um, Monty Don is is banging on about um, getting us to buy peat-free compost. That's one thing we can do to save the environment. Martin Luther King Jr. said, A church that has lost its voice for justice is a church that has lost its relevance in the world. So be encouraged that there's lots of exciting and good stuff happening in churches globally. It's a hopeful time. We can partner with other organisations in the world who are seeking justice without the fear of losing our identity, but with the conviction that we can be an influence for good by acting out the gospel we preach. The things we can fix, we fix. The things we can't, we carry as a burden in prayer. And I will close with a prayer this morning. Father God, thank you for the gift of life and the way you've drawn us into your kingdom. Help us to serve others with courage and conviction, with wisdom and sensitivity. Father, we ask you to liberate us from the, f- from the fear and greed and help us to live out your love with selflessness, kindness and generosity. Help us to rise up and challenge injustices we see in your world. For your glory. Amen.